Welcome to Interviews with Innocence, a podcast about spirituality, consciousness, and exploring the wisdom our children bring into this world. I believe that our very young children are our greatest teachers. After all, they're the masters of living in the present moment, bubbling in unconditional love, enjoying the messiness of life, and curious about the universe in all its dimensions. The pure essence that young children exhibit lives within all of us. My hope is that these interviews will help us discover, embrace, and connect with the sacred core of childhood that resides within each of our hearts. I am your host, Marla Hughes. Today, I am just so thrilled to have my good friend, Brooke Grove, on the show. Brooke is a near-death experiencer, integrative healer, shamanic energy medicine practitioner, and writer in co-creation with spirit. Brooke has advanced degrees in clinical psychology, marital and family therapy, and clinical art therapy. Additionally, Brooke has postgraduate certifications in transpersonal psychology, eco-psychology, meditation, and trauma. One of Brooke's innate gifts is her ability to receive your energetic signature and intuit the gathering of highly specific tools and practices, which will realign your mental, physical, spiritual, and emotional bodies, reintroducing you to your truth and beauty so you can live a more vibrant life. She infuses energy medicine with multidisciplinary psychology, creating a holistic emphasis which releases that which no longer serves you. Moreover, she incorporates knowledge from her ever-expanding research in the fields of consciousness, kundalini, and near-death studies. Given the wisdom she attained as a polytrauma survivor and as a former psychotherapist, she infuses her practice with a trauma-sensitive orientation. Brooke's goal is to explore, transmute, and empower the evolution in human consciousness through gratitude, service, and light. Welcome to the program, Brooke. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. Yes, I'm so excited to have you. I think the first time we met was at one of the um, International Near-Death Studies meetings in Orange County, and you just were so, um, you know, you were definitely the youngest one there. (laughs) (laughs) It's so cute and sweet and, you know, and then you start talking and you realize how incredibly intelligent and <laughs> and wonderful you are. So, so let's start a little bit. Um, I know we're really not going to talk that much about your near-death experience today, but can you just briefly chat a few minutes about that? Mm-hmm. It was almost 10 years ago, 10 years mm-hmm. this December, and I'd been suffering from autoimmune disease for quite a few years. And it had been misdiagnosed, and the medication put me into a coma. Oh, wow. The coma lasted about three days. I was declared brain dead during that time, Let, read my last rites by my Catholic family and their priest, and um, the expectations of me to waking up were very, very low. Um, my liver, kidney, and lungs had failed. So um, during this period, while my family is preparing for the worst, I was catapulted out of my body in ICU and got to go to the most beautiful space. Words always fail descriptions of near-death experiences. But it was a place where I felt 
as if I were being truly held for the very first time. My entire being, not just the parts, you know, many humans love or that are accepted in this culture, but my whole, my essence. I was myself, yet I was myself just as consciousness. Everything was spoken through light and telepathy. I was greeted by my light beings or angels as I prefer to call them. Mm -hmm. And I spent a lot of time with them and they gave, they gave me great amounts of information, much of which did not make sense at the time. Um, ultimately, I, I did see the source light and I had this kind of ebb and flow of wanting to connect to it. And yet at the same time, the angelics were letting me know I had the choice to reunite with source or to come back here and finish my mission. And I was given information specific to that mission, but again, did not make a ton of sense at that time. Mm -hmm. Ultimately, obviously, I chose to come back. In the decades since, much of their information that they shared has come to fruition. And especially now in the times we are in, much of it makes more sense. Right, and how does it make, make more sense? What were you, doing you know who were you before and then what happened that came true well prior to going into coma i was in my doctoral candidacy for uh, clinical psychology and you know i was on that path i was committed mm -hmm. i had attained many many degrees and gotten licensed already through my masters and just really thought i knew who i was and then I came, when they gave me the choice to come back, they did let me know that it was not going to be easy. Yet, with time, I would be amongst a group of like-minded souls, which were here for a very important purpose. And I was specifically given the number nine to 10, as in when that purpose would become clear. And so, as these recent events, the pandemic has unfolded and I've joined with more and more both light workers and shadow workers and we're kind of coming into this position of being way showers and gatekeepers. And it's so many of us have been through these treacherous paths, but we've done the work. Mm -hmm. And now all these beautiful souls are finding us through podcasts, through YouTube, through books. And it's just a honor because the angels were so right like go through this treacherous time and you will find gold and then you will be able to step up into this capacity and you'll be joined by others wow wow that articulated very well um so in terms of of these nine or ten i guess people that you were going to be introduced to or other light beings is that what is that what you're saying individuals or oh no the the number was nine to ten and i wasn't sure what they meant they Years said it was going probably to be time then. and then i was given the year the number nine to ten now i believe it meant about nine to ten years yes. post coming back that makes sense then because you're doing so much of so much of this work now yeah um, and the past year has been a rapid unfoldment pre-COVID, but it really um, uh, amplified um, during the pandemic. So let's let's talk about that. So what do you um, do? I know you have clients, you have a, a private practice. What, what do most people come to you for? 
it's shifted so much since COVID. Um, I offered a variety of services, to be honest. I, I still incorporated some of my psychology and had just psycho um, spiritual counseling, but I've since really um, focused on two sessions, which are exactly the same. They just are different in length. So I offer 30 to 60 minutes of shamanic energy medicine. Mm -hmm. I prepare for that with about 45 minutes of private ceremony, opening the medicine space in my home beforehand. And then um, I go into the quantum field and I call in the light teams for that being. And then also, of course, my teams of the highest light and resonance. And we go in and just really work on the field. And it's amazing. My clients are all international now. I'd have more from across the globe than in the States, although I still have quite a handful in the States. But it's amazing how when you go into the quantum field and you're connected with spirit and you have all your guides and you call forth their guides, it's easier for me to work in this space from a distance and pull out more information than it is when the human body is there because the client's often distracted. I, as a human, am noticing what's happening in the physical as well. Mm -hmm. But because of my NDE gifts, when I'm in ceremony and I'm receiving the auras and I'm receiving light messages and then spirits just giving me all this inner knowing, I get about seven to 10 pages of information from spirit in addition to what I'm observing just with my own um, third eye being so open. So it's fascinating. Within 30 to 60 minutes, I can have anywhere from 10 to 20 pages of notes. And then I call them by phone because as many that are listening likely know, NDEers can have a strange effect on technology. So it can be unpredictable. So when my vibration is very high from being in ceremony that long, it's best that we speak by phone generally. So I do Zoom calls with no video for my international clients, but then just general phone for my stateside clients. And we go with the flow. It's very intuitively led. I have I always begin the ceremony by doing a reading, but I do not interpret the reading. I just put the cards aside, go and do the energy work, speak to the person. It is an integration of both psychology and spirituality. Whatever's for the highest and best is always the intention. And I have literally like every chakra written down with everything that's come through and then also any ancestors that came through, any beloveds in the light that have come through, any attachments or anything I've needed to clear, all of that's documented in my notes. A lot of times spirit gives me very cryptic information like ask them about water or the farm in Idaho. You know, I know nothing about these things, but I'll preface, I'll be like, so I was told to ask you about the farm in Idaho and it's always fascinating because they're like oh my gosh and then they tell you like this whole story which is resonant to what came up in that particular chakra Interesting. so it's just fascinating fascinating work I still do get to incorporate so much of the psychology insofar as the dynamics that affect the energetic field and how they're affecting the person in the here and now and then we always close with their reading which you know spirit is not subtle and yet so brilliant and the reading is also it's always spot-on with everything that came up in the field mm-hmm. and You know, I just love it because I I ask my clients intentionally after I screen them, I do screen them very thoroughly to make sure that it's not predominantly psychopathology or that there's any suicidality or homicidality as I'm no longer practicing clinically. That said, 
once I've let someone, you know, come in as a client, I really take little information. I want it to all come through the field and what spirit and their teams of light have to share. So was this, um, this intuition, well, it's much more than intuition, but bringing in the spirits and, um, going to the source and getting all of this information. Did you do any of that before your NDE? <laughs> no, I was intuitive and I've always, I was, I'm a lifelong empath. So I would pick up information just off of how, you know, nonverbal cues and what I felt like I was using my heart chakra a lot. Right. But- I didn't have the relationship with my guides. I also, prior to my NDE, I wasn't seeing auras. I wasn't seeing soul bodies and light bodies. So this was all stuff that unfolded once I started really accepting and practicing my gifts. Mm. So who, for my listeners, um, what kind of people come to you? Those that I'm sure want to be healed, have been through some sort of trauma um is that are are the can you guys kind of give us an example or give us an example? Yes, I get um I get a I get a mix of people. I get a lot of spiritual seekers that have been on the path for a very long time and they've tried many, many modalities, but they feel like there's something blocking them or something missing. So I get a ton of seekers from all sorts of faiths and belief systems. It's beautiful, a vast mm-hmm. spectrum. I also, because of my work with IANS, I get a lot of new near-death experiencers because I've talked publicly at great depths about how difficult my reintegration process was mm-hmm. and how long it took me to accept, nurture, and be loved these gifts. So I get a lot of people that really want to get there but are struggling with their after effects. I also get a lot of persons with spiritually transformative experiences that have never openly talked about them or felt safe to talk about them. Um, One of the groups I, I love to work with the most, which I didn't expect to have, are the children. And that has been a byproduct of me speaking of my own children and that I have intuitive children and what, you know, what a joy it's been to really grow with them and learn from them. So I have a lot of really amazing parents who know that they're not open spiritually and yet they have this child who is and when they hear my youtube talks and that i don't pathologize children for this and that i'm raising children like this they reach out so i have kids from uh seven all the way up to you know early 20s young adults that i'm really helping with their spiritual openings exploring their gifts learning how to ground their gifts knowing how to practice energetic boundaries energetic hygiene all the things you need to know to be aligned and sensitive. Oh, love it. Well, you know, you know how I feel about children. <laughs> <laughs> All my listeners do. So let's talk about that. You have two young boys mm-hmm. and their names are Dechini Lan. He is seven. His light his name translates to life of great bliss. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then there's my beautiful three-year-old, my little Viking warrior, Leaf Everest. And Leaf, part of why I chose that name was initially in Old Norse, before it meant um, like descendant or beloved, it actually meant love the eternal ruler. 
So, wow. So what do you do with your children? I know, especially your, is it your older one that's really intuitive? Yeah, I know they both are, but I've heard you talk um, about some things about him in school. (laughs) So what are some things that you do and what guidance do you have for parents or caregivers that they can incorporate into their lives and into their children's lives to live a more, you know, spiritual, balanced, um, intuitive, you know, life? Well, I knew Detchen wasn't intuitive when he was very, very young. And can you define that? Huh? What you mean by that? For those who don't. Uh, Yes, I could feel from him that he, he was able to respond in ways that were beyond, way beyond his cognitive and even his vocabulary, like his ability to express himself, but he perceived things and you would see it and his behavior would shift. And having been a young intuitive myself, I, I was very cognizant of that, but also having grown up deeply religious, I did not want to indoctrinate him with my belief systems. So I really waited till he started to express these abilities to then say, okay, would you like to play with them? And that's the biggest thing for children that age. He was about three when he started expressing them to me. Play is the natural language. So making it fun. Um, When I thought he could see energy as well, I consciously left my bedroom door open one day when I was meditating. And after I meditate, I do Qigong and I play with Qi balls and I like to change the colors and just have fun. And he was a little bit older at this point and had his baby brother who wasn't even, he was crawling at this point. And he goes, look, Leaf, mommy plays with the balls she changes the color. I'll tell you what the color is now. And he just stood there and named all the colors. And I just started chuckling because I was like, I knew. Yeah. <laughs> you, know? you were changing the colors in your mind. In- no, well, you can change the color as you play with it. Yeah. So um, once you get uh, adept at playing with energy. Mm-hmm. So yes, I was having fun with that. And he was just watching and he was spot on. So when that began, I started inviting him into my nighttime uh, meditation practices where he had an instant affinity for like meditation or Oracle cards. And I don't, I wouldn't do a reading or anything with them. I'd be like, what does this mean to you? And again, using the language of play, it was amazing how he couldn't read but he understood the symbols and he understood how the color and the um, image resonated with him. And I swear he almost gave better readings than my professional friends. Um, So now that they're older and Dechen, the biggest thing and the biggest thing I'd advocate for, if you have an intuitive child is encourage the playfulness, encourage, you know, affirm and validate the gift as much as possible. You know, we always would do affirmation so that he knew how special um, this was. But then at the same time, you gently as they age, probably around five-ish, start teaching discernment so that they can operate in this world and not be teased, not be labeled, and know when it's appropriate and when to hold back with the gifts. So that that's definitely very important. Now that we've been in quarantine for many, many months, a beautiful unfoldment that came from that is I always do full moon and new moon ceremonies alongside some other ceremonies and sound baths and things like that. Well, those all switch to being offered online. 
So what ended up happening was I don't have my, you know, women's circle to do it with. We're doing it online, but we're not together. So I would set up my sacred space, get my drums out, you know, have the incense going, clear the room. And I started inviting the boys in. And so they would, they would get so excited. They liked clearing themselves. Uh, Leaf loves to have his field cleared. <laughs> um, they would play with the tuning forks. They'd get really into the drums. Like the drums are their favorite. And now we're at the point that it's been so many months that even Leaf at three knows that when it's time for the sound healing, you lay down, you close your eyes, and you're quiet. So it's just, it's just been really magical to share that with them. Uh, they love the whole idea of power animals and knowing that they can embody you know different aspects of themselves so there's a lot of great resources out there right now too like mindfulness for kids and you know oracle decks even for kids and so um, my my youngest has a book called the ABCs of alchemy you know so it's, it's just beautiful there's just so much that's out there and and the younger they are and the more open like i am not aligned with organized religion myself however dachin has a deep affinity for many of the ascended masters particularly jesus and so i allow him to build all of his altars around what he really likes and you know so it's just really fun like just allow them to be who they are yeah. and I always try not to lead, you know, it's always make sure it's not my interest. Like you, you want to have crosses everywhere. Let's bring the crosses in, you know? Um, and then they just tell you the most beautiful things. And prior to seven, most kids are still open gifts intact. They're in beta mode until about three five, depending on the child. And that's why they're able to transition so fluidly you know, between emotions. And if you can keep them intact with their gifts till seven, when they hit theta and with, you know, most or data I mean, with most of us, then they kind of have their gifts for good. Dechen still talks about his past life recall. And that was nothing I ever taught him. He would just start talking about Egypt. And I'm like, where, how do you know this? Right, <laughs> right. So, yeah, for the listeners, when you talk about beta, you're talking about brain waves, and mm -hmm. beta is more that dreamy, um, like right when you wake up kind of state. You know, it's not actually asleep, but um, yeah. yeah, that's definitely the children's the children's vibes. Um, so, can you share with us just a couple of things that? Um, Dutchin has said that just kind of blew you away. I remember you telling me a story at the IONS conference, but I can't. Oh man, there's so many. <laughs> um, I can think most recently more than anything at this moment. Um, when COVID began, and I was trying to explain to him, he's only in first grade, mind yeah. you. Um, when this began and I bring him home and I'm having a heart to heart with him and he grabs my hands. He looks me in the eyes and he goes, mama, it's going to be okay. And I'm like, I know, honey. I'm like, I just want you to know what's happening. And he goes, the angels say it's the great undoing, but they've been, they're here now in more numbers than they've ever been before. So no matter what happens, just remember some things die before things are created. And I'm like, <laughs> oh my I'm like, oh, you're seven. Okay. <laughs> like, I mean, just mind blown, you know? Right. And 
I think uh, one time we were on a plane when he was three. I'll never forget this. We were on a plane and we had we were sitting by a stranger because unfortunately our family uh, got split up and they couldn't. There were no extra seats, and so it's it's me and him. Leif hadn't been born yet, and this lady is watching her movies and he's very interested in what she's doing and all of a sudden she gets out a Tylenol and he's like oh I'm so happy you're gonna alleviate that headache I could see it was really bothering your crown chakra and he was how old he was three and I had just barely started um, teaching him about the chakra system and at six last last summer, um, he had he had been doing little shamanic practices with me, and he asked me if he could go if he could get a Reiki attunement because he wanted to do energy work with me, and so I said to one of my my shamans that I see, I'm like, he wants a Reiki attunement. I don't know, do they even attune kids? Because I hadn't. I've always done adults and all that, and um, she's like, I don't know. Put it out to the universe. That same day, I go on social media, and there's a Reiki yoga and meditation kids camp down the street from our house. Oh, and my. It, it was I just wild. So did, did he go? He went. And what's beautiful is I'm now really close with the two women that led it. And when they did his attunement, they said he went into like a full shamanic journey and was talking about the sea turtles that were coming through and like Lemuria and Atlantis. They're like, what have you been doing with him? I'm like, no, this is him. Yes. Yes. Wow. Well, I know that um, many people, Sander Engelman, um, Ingerman, who does a lot of shamanic um, mm -hmm. training, she works with children and many indigenous cultures say that that children really don't need to go on shamanic journeying because they're always <laughs> journeying at a young age however she does and now i'm i'm actually teaching it doing some shamanic um journeying to find their power animal like you talked about earlier and so something that they can go to when they're feeling they, they just want to feel safe or ask questions or whatever, whatever they need to do. So if people want to have little, I mean, many people are not nearly as, as into this as you are, and you don't know all mm -hmm. about the, the ceremony and the other things that you do. What are a couple of things that you would suggest that, that others bring into their homes to help um, start those kinds of, you know, the kind of the, not just shamanic, but that spiritual outlet for their kids. Um, for children, it just depends on the child, to be yeah. frank. Um, Dechen connects a lot with the earth. He's a Paskayaki Native American from his father's side. And wow. so for him, earth medicine is very, very important. So he's always had an affinity to crystals and things of that nature. Um, so he enjoys having little, you know, high vibrational pieces around him. Um, for others, I know for Leaf, he's very kinesthetic. So he absolutely loves like Qigong and yoga. And those are kind of what he really resonates with. Another thing that Leaf is the master of, and this surprised me, um, he was a late talker. And yet, I chant and I was doing some um, Kundalini chants and that are very simple and he would hear them. And then after a little while I would hear him and he'd be going, so, ta, 
you know, and just like keep going. And so he has gotten really into chanting. Um, he also loves the drumming and like the, the flutes. I think the music is a natural expression for children, especially the drum for boys in particular, but girls as well. They get that energy out. They're making beautiful sounds um, and it increases your vibration. Absolutely. Um, certain types of symbol if you notice that they resonate with any kind of animal or any kind of symbol i allow them anytime there's one in particular like for Dutchin, it's the sea turtle as it came through in his attunement so we keep sea turtles all over the place um for leaf and i we both resonate deeply with wolves so there's wolves everywhere and when he's having a hard time we don't have we don't do timeouts in our family but we do have a calm down corner so it's just full of stuffed wolves and stuffed sea turtles where they can go and just kind of hug and love on their animal and you know I'll talk about well what's the turtle do when it gets scared oh it goes into its shell it protects itself you have that ability too what are wolves really good at they're really good at protecting their families you know they're very loyal how can we be loyal to each other right now so really speaking again through the power of play and myth and symbol, it's just such a, that's where they're at. And they are the greatest wisdom teachers insofar as they remind us that play is sacred. Mm -hmm. And when we engage them from the place of play, it increases our vibration. It increase, increases, excuse me, the responsive parenting rather than reactive parenting. Yes. And it really creates an alchemy in the home because they're able to, they, you know, especially for someone like Leaf. he doesn't have a prefrontal cortex yet he's only three years old so it's normal for a child at that stage to be reactive yet by having access to many of these tools his he barely tantrums anymore because he has all of these resources which then as he ages we can shift into new you know techniques using these same ideas whether it's animal medicine or you know a prayer or all of the things that we've talked about. They'll have those to take with them. And the younger children develop inner resourcing, the more successful they are as adults because it's not something they have to learn. It's a muscle that they just have muscle memory for. Right, wow, that, that's beautiful. Um, so what have been the greatest lessons your children have taught you? <laughs> children be <laughs> <we> all. <laughs> I think um, I, I, you know, with the on the discernment, discernment, excuse me, factor, um, they have taught me the power of authenticity from a very young age. I'm very authentic with my clients. I'm very authentic in my work, and yet I find with children, people tend to um, water down truth, and yet children may not have the language for it but they know when they're not being told the truth. And when you teach children it's okay to lie to so-called protect them, you're also teaching them some dangerous things about the future. Like how do you trust consent? How do you understand boundaries if you're forcing a child to hug everyone you say to hug? How do you teach them that it's safe to tell you scary things that may have happened if you're always watering down scary things that happen? So just being candid, being real. You know, my son, my seven-year-old always says, mama, you're the only adult that doesn't lie to me. And that breaks my heart, but then it also is a great gift because he knows 
that we can talk about any and any, you know, in the right language, but we talk about it all. Yeah. Wow. Well, we need to wrap it up, Brooke, but uh, is there anything else that you would like to share that, that I didn't ask? Um, no, not about the kids. I am excited. I'm starting a YouTube channel. So yeah. if anyone wants to check it out, I'm making content at present, but it is Brooke Grove Healing on YouTube. And you can also visit my website, which is www.brookegrovehealing.com for session inquiries. And I just love the audiences that all of you beautiful soul tribe seekers engage with. And I just find the conversations and the people that step forth are most magnificent so thank you yeah thank you so much and hopefully i'll, I'll see you personally again or you know face to face again soon but you take good care of yourself and those those little boys you too okay. thank you brooke thank you so much for listening in today if you want to learn more about the show, you can find us at interviewswithinnocence.com and on Facebook or Instagram at interviewswithinnocence. Please write me a message. Tell me what you liked and let me know what else you would like to hear. I would love to hear from you. And if you liked what you heard, please leave us an iTunes rating and review. It helps other listeners find the show. Thank you. Thank you.